I'm more excited to be talking to you about task management. You are going to love it. We have to accept that tech is coming into the world and we have to prepare our, our pupils for the real world. This method is really a game-changing way of invigilating, to be honest. Welcome to the Surpass Community Podcast. Hello and welcome to another Surpass Community Podcast. I'm joined today by members of the Product Communications and Training Team, Ashley Whittle and Georgie Page. Hi, both of you. Hello. <laughs> so as always uh, with these podcasts in the current situation, we are adapting to use new technologies, which is quite pertinent given the, the topic that we'll be talking about today, uh, which is our training team and how they have upskilled themselves to deliver training virtually. So one of the things that we, we receive a lot of requests for um, when organizations maybe have new members coming on board or if they're new to surpass is the the training that we provide, um, various courses, and we've started delivering various courses through the year, always get absolutely outstanding reviews. Everybody loves our trainers. Um, that's me talking about their team, not just about Spass in general to pick it up. Uh, but I'm sure anyone who has experienced training from the training team will agree. So I'm not going to talk too much today because this is really to put a spotlight on the developments that have been made from that team, how they've dealt with the challenges that have been delivered with COVID-19, not being able to go into offices, not being able to do that really important face-to-face -face training. Okay, so Georgie, if I could start with you, um, could we maybe look a little bit at what has been done within the product communication training team? You've spoken to other people within BTL, I'm guessing, and, and the people that communicate with our uh, SPAS community on a regular basis to find out other means that we might be able to use to to contact them rather than the face-to-face -face route and you've you've taken that and really run with it haven't you and not just in you know saying oh we'll do it through a you know a skype call or whatever but you've actually started upskilling the team and looking at qualifications to help with this type of delivery yeah definitely so historically we've always delivered training face-to-face -face. that's been our preferred method what we've had more experience with and also our customers preferred method um, however, at this point in time, um, we haven't been able to do that. Uh, there, there's been complete restriction on that because of the situation. And so we've had to completely rethink. Mm. Um, so in working with the account managers uh, and other areas of the business, we've decided that we want to invest in our trainers and make sure that the quality of the training that they're delivering is just as good now as it ever has been. And so we're providing that like for like experience. Um, so we don't lose anything. So what we decided to do was get all of the trainers onto a course to help them to feel more confident and to upskill um, their training and delivery for virtual uh, sessions. Mm -hmm. So the session we chose was the Certified Online Learning Facilitator course run by the Learning and Performance Institute. This was about seven two-hour sessions over a couple of weeks, and we were experiencing it from a trainee's perspective which was really useful in and of itself being a, a trainee in a virtual course yeah. so we learned a lot from that but also the content of the course was all designed around how to to best use technology when you're delivering training and how to best facilitate learning when you're online and you don't have those trainees face to face it's a very different experience you lose some things but you also gain a lot of things when you're doing it virtually it's just a different sort of way of looking at it because you've got the technology to factor in you've got the lack of the personal connection old kind of tasks task types don't work so you can't say right you have a go and then go around and help yeah. people with it it's a different sort of approach yeah. um, um and so what 
Sorry, what were you going to say? I, I was just going to say, from personal experience, using SPAS in my early days of training, that, that was a, a big part of it, is having somebody there. Well, just training in general, having somebody there to say, yeah, you've done it like that, and you get you know, you know, get a sticking point, and then it's like, oh, no, you've just you've not ticked that box or something similar. You know, it's, yeah. um, it's very different to a standard, you know, doing a, a MOOC on, I don't know, learning how to take photographs, for example, isn't it? It's a... Yeah. It's something that needs that hands-on interaction that we've always strived to to deliver in the the face-to-face sessions. Exactly, yeah. and that's what separates training from webinars. Yeah, um, with training, you want that interactive element. You want to be able to get people doing things and being able yeah. to measure how far they've learned something. Hmm. So um, that training empowered us to know how we could enable that and and to best use that so off the back of this course we've now felt empowered to go away rethink our approach to surpass training and completely redesign the materials which Ashley can probably go into a bit more detail about yeah okay so a lot of work has gone into upskilling the team there as you said but a nice segue there to Ashley talking about redesigning the actual training sessions themselves so I suppose um just for anybody who hasn't recently been to one of our training sessions, Ashley, maybe you could start with a quick 30-second elevator pitch into what, what you would normally have done in face-to-face and then you know, lead into how we've redesigned that to capture that same experience using the virtual session. Sure. So, like Georgie said, we took this course, the CULF course, and it was valuable to see it, not only to learn the resources and the skills, but to, to also be a trainee and mm. when we do end-to-end surpass training um, we really try and think about the trainee first and what they need so with face-to-face training we would um, take them through right from the very basics the the key information that you need to know and then we build on that when we build and build over time taking them through the different screens in surpass so that by the end of their first face-to-face you know few days or two days or whatever mm. um they would be given the tools to be able to use the pass for themselves kind of once we're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that we've designed this, uh, this virtual course will do exactly the same and it, it'll do it better. If um, I'm hoping <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've had one test run through already of the course with some actual trainees and it went really, really well. Mm. And we're just about to embark on the second, second test of it. Basically we've, We've redesigned the course into into 12 units. And when I say 12 units, this is just end-to-end surpass, taken through the user journey right from the start with an introduction and then finishing off with a course conclusion. And the idea is that these units will give trainees a more in-depth and interactive experience. Um, and we're flexible as well with those units, so we can mix them around and put them together and put them apart depending on the customer's needs specifically. But yeah, they're into a more modular course now. Um, but it follows the same kind of principle in that it's broken up into s- several units. And at the beginning, it's all about teaching them how to use the tools that we're going to give them to make the sessions interactive mm. and, and a real basic introduction to surpass. And then each unit that we do either with the trainees or they've got to do on their own, that's opportunity for them to build on that knowledge over and over again Um, and like I've just kind of mentioned that all units aren't with the trainer so we've given them time as well in between the sessions uh, with the handbook that we've created they can now 
do some tasks on their own, ready for the next online training session where, they, like you say, you can come and ask questions and maybe learn. Um, so, yeah, the point is not all the learning has to happen with yeah. the online training session. It, it sounds a lot less intense and more geared towards how you might um, typically do something like a, a university course. Even, you know, you, you do a session with your lecturer, they take you through the basics, but then you're given the work to go away and sort of self-learn, but then you know that you can always come back or ask for advice and, and that kind of thing. So rather than exactly. being on the spot for two days because that's the time we've got, you, you've actually taken advantage, I suppose, of being able to spread it out a bit more. How, how do we spread it out now? Do you, do you sit for two days on a computer to go through the units or do you break it up over the course of, say, a week? Yeah, it'll be broken up. I think we mm. would probably refer to it as like a blending, blended learning Blended program. learning, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of at the beginning is quite small sessions where they would be a little bit with the trainer and a little bit on their own. And then further on in the session, especially when we come to things like the test creation screens, there's a lot to cover there. And it's mostly um, trainer led. But then after that session, they get the opportunity to test what they've been doing with the trainer um, mm. and then the following online unit will test their test if that makes sense <laughs> yeah 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 okay that, that sounds really good so you've managed to take the structure you've managed to work it into a way that that fits around everybody's current way of working um, possibly even enhancing the training experience for the future you know I'm, I'm guessing there's things that you've learned from this experience that you could even take forward when we do potentially one day go back to face-to-face -face training um, to, you know, to add extra elements in there. What about the actual technology that you use to deliver this then? So we, we said, you know, we didn't want it to be a webinar. We're not just talking at people. How have you, um, as a team, looked at reaching out to people and giving them the best possible experience as if you were there, you know, on call for them? Yeah, so we, we had a look at lots of different te technologies and we tried out different platforms. Hmm. Um, and we also got advice from our trainer on the training course as to which technologies would be best. Okay. And we identified a few different um, bits of functionality as being really vital to what we wanted to achieve with our interactive sessions. Um, so things like breakout rooms. <clears throat> if you've got a big group of trainees, it's really important that you give them a chance to have a voice and to speak to each other and yeah. try and develop that sense of community and social interaction that is often missing from virtual training hmm. um, and so breakout rooms are really good for that putting small groups of people into different calls and getting them to talk to each other and work through problems <clears throat> as well as feeding back into the main call okay um so that's a really useful tool um also emoticon responses so during the training we use that as trainees so um ticks and crosses to answer yes or no to close questions hmm. um putting your hand up if you've got a question or something you want to add um even simple things like a, a coffee cup icon. So we found that was a really logistically good thing to use. So if you just need to nip off and answer the door or sort something out right, at, okay. at home and you're going to be away from the computer, if you put your coffee cup icon on and that shows everybody in the, in the session that you're away. And so mm. the trainer's not going to ask you a question and get silence and wonder why you're not answering or anything like that. So logistically, those small things actually make a really big difference. Yeah, um, I, I like that, the idea of the coffee cup as well, because you could use that, you know, say you wanted to go to the toilet, but you don't really want to announce to everyone that you're yeah. going to the toilet. A, a coffee exactly. cup is a nice, simple gesture, isn't it? It's like, I'm not here, I'm doing something else. Yeah, and those those little things, like I say, really make a difference. Um, 
there's other things like polls and being able to annotate um, a screen so that everybody can all contribute and either draw or type onto mm. the same document at once. Um, and so, like I say, we tried lots of different technologies and I'm sure lots of them are really good. The one we've chosen to use is Zoom. And so that's the one that we've invested in. Mm. Um, another piece of technology that we think is really important to have is a, a central hub to share training resources and also to again like I said with the social interaction provide that sense of community where you can talk to one another about things um, yep. so we're going to use Yammer t as a hub for those training resources and communications there's lots of other things you can use um, mm -hmm. but that was just one key takeaway that we wanted was to make sure that there was that sense of relationship that sense of com community for our training um, which yep. we want to achieve in that way um so and both of these things we want to become masters of because that's another main takeaway for us is you've got to become yeah. a master of your technology if you're going to succeed yeah I, I was just about to say before you put that bit on the end there i mean we can you know if someone comes to us and go oh our organization can't use a particular service or for whatever yeah. reason um you know we can still deliver training using other technologies however what what you've done as part of this optimization is you've looked at the best possible experience for learners in in these situations haven't you and chosen the tools yeah. based on that because exactly and then you've you've put the time into really mastering that technology and doing new wonderful things with them to get the best for your learners so um yes. yeah, yeah that's that's a really good way of looking at it okay um I've got a note on here as well. You've also been updating resources. So we, we typically give out handbooks, things like that, to help people you know, go away and do extra study. Have you had to develop those in other ways to, um, you know, to again, to match the online training because you're not there to hand over the handbook physically and you're not there to kind of look at people as they point out lines to you? How, how have you adapted those resources? Well, we receive feedback from training sessions all the time. And some of the feedback that we'd received was the handbook was fine, but I didn't feel like I used it during the session as much as I could have. Okay. Or the handbook wasn't really, a, people were expecting the handbook to be a bit of a revision tool after the training. Mm. So we already had those things in our minds where we wanted to improve the handbook. That's for face-to-face -face and for virtual training. But then once we did our um, online facilitation course we were given a handbook and we were able to see how someone else could do it and one of the things that they used the handbook for was to have almost like a learning journal and to do like reflection tasks every okay. time you do a unit and I thought that was a great idea I thought even if a trainee has done uh, an online trainer-led unit that information that they've, those questions that have been raised or how confident they've felt at the time is really good to capture and could be useful to look back on and um and we could also put tasks in there for them to do to in increase you know revision practices yeah so we've totally revamped the whole handbook and the handbook reflects the course that the trainees will do so at the moment it's the 12 unit end to end but if you know, a customer only needed one to eight or two to 11, mm. for example, then we would edit the handbook based on that. And all of the tools in that handbook would be there for them to help them during the training. And then they could also keep that afterwards and use it um, to refresh their memory again when we're not there to help them anymore. Yeah, that, that's um, something else you mentioned there. So not everybody wants the full end-to-end of the end. We mentioned earlier, I think, about... Um, organizations maybe they've got new starters so 
especially in, in some other areas that we're moving into, you might just have people that are using SPAS to create items. So you've got subject matter experts. Well, they don't need to know about reporting and everything else at the end, but another team might need that. So we we did recently start doing extra training sessions that looked at particular areas, didn't we? And I'm guessing this online evolution, um, yeah, let, let's not look at it as something that was a problem to uh, a solution to a problem that's happening at the moment. We are evolving everything. We're always looking for ways to improve our user experience in everything we do um, as the product keeps growing. So actually what what you've done is taken this opportunity, I suppose, to now get the handbook into a way that it's easier to fit in with those other sessions that target specific areas of SPAS. Is that mm-hmm. is that fair to say, I think? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We want the handbook to be as useful as possible. There's no point putting mm. stuff in there when that's not what that organization uses the pass for. It needs to be customized to them because that's how we deliver the training. We don't deliver the same training to everybody. Mm. We customize every session so it's specific to their processes because then they'll find it the most valuable. There's no point doing things they don't need to know. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. definitely. And just following on from your point, Ben, about um, delivering sessions that are specific to what people need, mm. I think arguably the way we've now structured virtual training lends itself more to that than Mm. previously with face-to-face. So um, we've split up the training into 12 units um, and each unit is a discrete part of the pass. And like you say, somebody might only be working in one, so Mm. they might only want one particular unit. And that's sort of fine the way we've done it now. We split up the resources so that they are in units. So I think more and more going forward, it will be easier for people to pick and choose which parts of the pass they want training on. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, And just I'm going to skip ahead a point now just because it it does tie into this. You are still running sessions as normal. People, if they want to book training sessions with you, can contact their account manager as normal. Everything is, raising the the air quotes, as normal. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Business as usual here. Business Um, as usual, yeah. Yeah, we're we're still running sessions. We would love a chance to, you know, continue using our technology. It's, I think we all find it quite addictive finding images to put into our powerpoints now because that's <laughs> yeah. like a massive um like push that we've had to reduce the, the amount of text on all of our powerpoint slides and just have images on there and mm. have that as a re- real visual reminder i think actually correct me if i'm wrong but i think there's something like a 69 percent uh, retention improvement rate for people when they have visuals to look at uh, yeah, rather exactly. than just text um, right. and so those kind of things we we love doing now we we love like we're magpies for images we find images everywhere um, so we'd love to to do that so yeah please contact your account manager um get training booked in come and see what what we've done with our resources and our training sessions oh that sounds great and i'm guessing um you know if, if we're working with a particular organization and maybe they've got an image bank of their own they can work with you to or would that take all the, the fun out of it if they just gave you the images to use no, I'd love more images, please. <laughs> it definitely helps with the concepts. I'm just remembering looking at your previous PowerPoint for test creation, Georgie, and it's not just about having a nice picture, is it? It's thinking of a way to describe really complex um, concepts in surpass. Yeah. But seeing it in an image, it's like, oh, I never thought of it like that. And that totally describes something better than any words could. Yeah, exactly. So it's not just a like for like thing, is it? I think that's what you're saying, Ashley. It's like a conceptual thing. So for example, the test creation one that Ashley's referring to, one of the images that I put on to um, show what a test form was, was three different jars with three different contents in. And so it's illustrating that a test form is like a container for 
different content and mm. so each of these is different but they're all kind of equals they're all kind of the same kind of thing okay yeah um, so, the so just as an example of yeah exactly an example of what we're doing and, yeah. and i think that kind of thing as well is important you know within marketing um if we're going to see for example a medical board we would try and use medical based images we want to make it relevant to to them and their organization um so same thing concept applies here i'm guessing if if you were describing somebody how to create a question you would tailor that question to their particular need and then those images would reflect that um that topic as well mm -hmm. in, a, in a more literal way yeah yeah definitely okay that all sounds absolutely fantastic and again leads us nicely into uh what i believe is the final point you you guys may have more to add um freestyle after this and please do but we've got built-in interactive tasks using technology tools so you've been able to actually use the the technology that we've invested in to create a really dynamic interactive training uh, feeling here haven't we again mirroring that face to face in the virtual environment the best way possible yeah we have so we've got lots of different ways now um i think our standard go-to interaction face to face is right we've just showed you what to do you now have a go we'll come and help you mm -hmm. that is no longer something that we can do virtually um yeah. or at least it's a lot less interactive because we can't get everybody to share their screen at once that's not something that would help mm. um so the way that we're now doing it is delegating those interactions with actually surpass um generally to the offline tasks so once the the online session is finished with the trainer you would go away and you would practice in the system mm. But during the session, we have other types of interactions. So we've got things like polls that we can use. So asking everybody a question, getting them to answer and seeing the different answers that people pick. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good way of us measuring how much people have learnt and people's different um, opinions on things. Yeah. Um, we also can um, get people to take over our screen. So that's one way that we, that we can get people to practice in Surpass. We can share our Surpass interface, um, get people to actually take over our screen. Then they're moving our mouse um, right. and clicking on buttons in there. So we could say, right, from this isomorphing screen, can you create a new question for me? Hmm. And then they could take over our screen and create it in Surpass. Um, okay. That's one example of the kind of thing we could do. Um, other things are using annotations. So one thing we really liked was something called swim lanes when we were doing our course and we've taken this through into our training sessions. So if you want people to type, for example, what they learned in the session, you might have a grid at the end of your PowerPoint um, mm. and you get people to type their name in one column and in the other um, they would type the, the thing that they'd learned in that session. So then you've got a really nice visual um, where everybody's contributing, listing out what they've learned in that session. And you can see as a trainee what everybody has learned and it will remind you of what you've covered in that session and what other people are taking away. Right. Um, so it's a really nice collaborative tool. That sounds fantastic. Um, just one thing that came to mind then, and I don't know if you've prepared an answer for this already, but typically in a face-to-face -face environment, we would uh, limit the number of people that we recommend come into a training session at one time. So the, the trainer to learner ratio, how does that work in the, the online virtual environment? Do you still have that trainer to so many learners ratio or do you just open it up as a massive virtual classroom? No, I think 
so we would still recommend that the number of trainees is limited to between six and eight trainees. Um, so it's not a strict six necessarily, but still we want to keep the numbers small. And the reason for that is because even though it's virtual and you could theoretically have more on, you still want to be able to give each individual your attention mm. and you want to be able to answer their questions or ask them questions, make sure that they know what they're doing. And the more people you have on, the less likely you are to be able to tell if somebody's not quite getting something mm. or, you know, you need to be able to gauge what kind of pace they're learning at and where they're at with the session. Yeah. Um, so we'd still say that um, for a virtual session, we need to have a, a controlled number of people else it just turns into a webinar and which are, are fine but they serve a different purpose it's not the same as training yeah so for the full benefit of training for the the learners that are in that session that you're restricting the numbers and that's that's how we're taking it forward yeah, yeah. even for the trainer as well so when you're doing a face-to-face session you can see who's not paying attention by mm. non-verbal cues and you know if people are leaving the room a lot on or, or multitasking you can control those things face-to-face but it's more difficult to do that with the more attendees that you've got and it's the same thing virtually you can read people's online body language and you can tell whether people are multitasking um we've picked up some of those know-how um kind of skills with our course Mm. and it's the same thing you can manage those behaviors with six trainees but once you get to the higher numbers there's just no way to manage that many people you know, keeping them all engaged, keeping them all interested in what's going on and yeah. uh, and, uh, and responsible for their own learning as well. Yeah. It's much easier with fewer numbers. Okay, good stuff. Uh, right, well, that, that's the end of the, um, the notes that I had on this session today. We did put this one together quite quickly uh, just to try and get the information out there. A few people have been asking about training sessions and how they might work from now. So, uh, thank you very much for joining me today and for uh, giving up the time to explain these these points and answer some of those questions. Is there anything else that you would like to add on the end as the product communications and training team? Or are you happy to end it there and just answer any questions as they come in through the account managers? Uh, Georgie? No, I think that's that's it from us. We just mm-hmm. want people to book in to do training because we're here, we're ready when people want it. Mm-hmm. that's what i was just going to say <laughs> ask for training we yeah. want to train <laughs> excellent uh right well in that case thank you very much uh, to my guest today thank you spas community out there for listening if you are a member of the spas community you can get in touch with your account manager for any extra information if you're not already a member of the spas community then feel free to uh, contact us with the contact form available on surpass.com and we look forward to hearing from you soon We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To keep up with the latest information from the Surpass community, just visit surpass.com. We'll be back soon with another podcast. Thank you for listening.